Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I am Ollie Davis and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Luke Football didn't come home. It did not. After all of our hype uh, yesterday when we were up on our way to Hyde Park to watch it with 30,000 England fans, the football did not come home. Yeah. We're recording this the day after, by the way. I know you're listening to it on Saturday, folks. Yes. So um, it was, I mean, it was a wonderful, like, 10 minutes uh, at the start of the game when we were all, like, really excited. Then, then, like, the anxiety started to kick in because you're like, oh, now we've got to kind of hold on for another 80 minutes here. And then they scored in the second half. Actually, I mean, I'd say at halftime, we were all like, okay, I mean, that's all right. We've played some pretty good football. Probably should have been a bit more up than 1-0, but everything's fine. And then when they equalized, it was, it, it was like the air was let out of the crowd. And then they just outpaced us. Outpaced us in the... Like, I think we, in the extra time, were very much playing for penalties. And we just got caught out. Football analysis. I don't, I'm not even going to open my mouth, really. I don't know much about football these days. And I don't want to... Yeah, I'll sound like an idiot, whatever I say. But we did get to have a good bundle, didn't we? We did. We were, we were five deep, or maybe six or seven people deep, in a queue of about, I don't know, 16? Yeah, I'd say so. For, so but, like, people everywhere. That's just how deep this mob was. Yeah. Uh, for the bar. And we... Not Cesar and Seamus. It was to get drinks. And... The, the game had already kicked off. I'm like, oh, we're halfway to the front now. We might as well stay here. They scored. It was a good, it was a good old-fashioned bundle. It was, in, it was madness. And bearing in mind as well, just before the game had kicked off, two people got into a fight. Yes. Like, it was, it was a hot day. There was, you know, tensions were, were rising. People desperately wanted to get a drink because the game was about to kick off. And two people just got into a fight. And I thought someone quite cleverly separated them and by doing so got an extra person forward just sort of pushed ahead of the mob. It was a great idea. Great idea. I wish I'd thought of it myself. Yeah, but uh, football fans, lovely. Unfortunately, some absolute yobs. I would say as well. there were three different types of people there. I'm, I would say there are maybe four different types of people. There were fans who were, well, people who were there, not really interested in the football, but just wanted to have a bloody old good time. This and guy. They just wanted to have a drink and just, you know, be amongst the atmosphere of, of the football game. There were people there who wanted to watch the football. There were people there who wanted to watch the football and were drunk idiots uh, and therefore were yobbos. Or they were just idiots. 
Looking for fights. Looking for fights and just looking to be a general idiot. Mm. I mean, we when we were queuing up to get in, which took a long old time. I mean, 30,000 people is a lot to get into to Hyde Park, I appreciate. But there's only like 10 gates to, to get through. And that doesn't seem like it's enough. And we were in a queue with people that were like already drunk, like already hammered to the point where I was like, I'd be amazed if they got past security because they're just being very loud and aggressive. Um, I'm pretty sure one lad was just having a wee. Just mm. while he was in the queue, just between the railings. Yeah. But sometimes you've got to go when you've got to go. I guess so. I don't mind people being drunk, but people being horrible and aggressive to each other in a physical way. Stop it there. Stop not, it not, there. Not for me. Not for Stop me. Stop it there. Absolutely. Wrestling fans don't do that. That's what I was kind of... Like, one part of my brain was comparing this crowd, because I haven't been to a football match for ages, even though this wasn't one, but it's that crowd, to a wrestling, like, crowd. And I feel like because... We're not as invested in the results. We're more just there for the story and the spectacle and the moves. There's, there's not, there's the, the sort of anger bit is taken away. Sure, there's like the critical snottiness of me and you and uh, others like us, but and everyone else, yeah, and every, but there's, there's no like genuine anger. Uh, well, to the extent where you'd start a fight with someone. Exactly. Those four types of groups that I just explained then, only one of those goes to wrestling shows, and those are the people that go to watch the wrestling. Yeah. And, you know, have drinks and have a good time. Yeah, no one's going to a wrestling show to get into a fight. Well, not... Yeah, they're, they're a lot smaller. And, of course, we're not saying all football fans are like that. Far from it. It's just a shame that there was, you know... Anecdotally, there was a disproportionate number of horrid people there yesterday <laughs> I would but it was a great time it was we a had a good time. time I had a bloody lovely time yes. with the exception of the results uh, I thought we had a really good time your friend was very upset at oh, the end was. of it he so was. upset um, yeah. it was really sad to see I was you know I was a bit bummed out on the way home I saw someone crying on the tube and he's just look, he looking at his girlfriend to like to hug him and comfort him and she just looked at him with, with a clear look that just said I'll grow up mm. For God's sake, it's just a football game. Oh, but when we watch The Notebook and you're crying... Yeah, double standards, ladies. <laughs> I think you sort of me for a second. No, 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 no. Would you like some correspondence? Go on, then. So we've got a Rusev Hay here from... Rusev Hay! From Jason McDonald. Jason has sent us in two stories, but I am not going to read out um, one of them. Um, Why is that? Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm a bit uneasy about... Uh, I mean, in his own words here... Um, Without name, uh, okay. So you may want to share the story without <laughs> naming them, or skip the first story and share the second story with my fellow fellow uh, my fellow pod swafters, because the second story is one of my favorite experiences of my early teens. But the first story is something that you could be considered inappropriate in the nineteen nineties, and, and would be judged more harshly now. Um, now it would almost be wow, seen inappropriate as, in the nineties. Yeah, now it would be seen as more or less sexual harassment. So that is I, even okay. even if we went down the allegedly route, I, I would feel uncomfortable. Sure. Okay. Well, that's, that one. I trust your judgment there. But we'll talk about it off air. Sure. Well, I, I'll, I'll share it with you off air. In 1991 or 1992, I was about 13, I went to a WWE show in Halifax. It was no surprise that I saw wrestlers at a wrestling show, but I didn't just see them. My seat was right by the aisle where the performers would walk to the ring. I was disappointed when Bret Hart gave his sunglasses to a kid on the other side of the aisle, but then the Bushwhackers came out later for a match. They were one of my favourite teams as a kid, and I couldn't believe my luck when one of them licked my head. <laughs> I was ecstatic and felt the night couldn't get any better, especially 
since my number one favorite, The Million Dollar Man, won that match. Then came out the main event, Hacksaw Jim Duggan vs. Sergeant Slaughter during his Iraqi sympathizer wow. gimmick in a no-DQ Falls Count Anywhere match. Hacksaw's 2x4 and Sergeant Slaughter's helmet were both used as hmm. weapons, and most of the fight happened outside of the ring. Can you just read that that sentence again, please? Which, um... Him, Jack, Jack, uh, Hacksaw's 2x4 and Sergeant Slaughter's helmet were both no, used as weapons. Okay. Um, they had fought their way down the aisle when Hacksaw pinned Sergeant Slaughter. The barrier between the crowd and the aisle consisted of bars instead of solid barriers, and during the pin, I was able to stretch out my arm and place a finger on Slaughter's foot while the referee made the count. <laughs> I'm sure Hacksaw could have won on his own, but as far as I'm concerned, I shared in pinfall victory. Oh, that's a cheat. <laughs> that's from Jason McDonald. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really yeah, it was good. good. Uh, especially he Matt. got licked. He got licked by a bushwhacker Blimey. and um, and that's not the sexual harassment one. <laughs> it is not. Uh, I'll give you one more Rusev Hay. Actually, this might be one of my favorite Rusev Hay stories we've had. Bold. This is, uh, I mean, you are going to love this story. This is from Jack Hindley. Hey guys, I'm sending you this email to tell you about my meetings with Keith Lee. <gasps> meetings? Meet- Plural? Oh, you're, uh, you'll love this. No. So Keith Lee. Okay, uh, it's already my favorite. Regular listeners to the show will know that we are huge fans of Keith Lee. He's basically our best friend. Like, yeah. We've been for drinks with him. He told us that. He told us this. With like, his eyes. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Like, we, and we, you know, we've had drinks with him. He gave us t-shirts. It's all, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing really. He's the guy. But he's our he, best friend. He's just one of the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah. Massive comic book fan. Just spoke to him about Infinity War for ages. So what happened? Well, this is now back to the email. So what happened? I was at a show in Dublin, which Keith was wrestling on in early May. As I knew, this was probably my last chance to see him on the indies for a while before before him going to NXT. Show uh, <clears throat> before the show, I decided I was going to go over to his merch stand and buy a t-shirt off of him. I went up to him and he said, "You're taking a pink one," in reference to what t-shirt I was going to buy. Going to buy. Me being 16, I accepted what the rather large man told me. <laughs> I then took a picture with him and had a small chat with him uh, and was on my way. I watched the show where Keith Lee and Minoru Suzuki had a brilliant match built around Suzuki trying to hit a pile driver. God, that sounds like it'd be that a great, great match. That sounds great, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I left the uh, show very happy. Me and my brother said that we would go to something, uh, go get somewhere to eat before we went home. We went to a burger joint in Dublin. As we were waiting for our food, my brother went to the bathroom, so I was alone at the table. Next thing I know, I feel this scratching on the back of my t-shirt. I turned around not knowing what to expect, and it's Keith Lee signing my t-shirt. What? He then sits at our table and talks to us until our food comes. He then says, I'll leave you guys in peace, me not knowing what just happened. Eat. Okay, so this is the other side of this. We're eating our meals, and we're just about to leave when the waitress brought down two milkshakes to our table. We said, sorry, we didn't order these, and she responded by saying it's courtesy of Table 5, where Keith Lee and Matt Riddle were sat at. Oh, wow. When we looked up to say thank you, he simply simply responded, I sold a lot of merch tonight, it's the least I could do. So that was my meeting with the nicest guy in wrestling. Thanks, guys, keep up the great work. That's from Jack Hindley. Wow. Keith Lee is more awesome than we thought he was. I know, right? Like, that's a lovely story. I want to be scratched by Keith Lee from behind. (laughs) I just want him to, like, but like a little tickle. Just, hey, Ollie. (laughs) Hey, hey, Ollie. Hey, Luke. Support Support Wrestle Talk. Um, Oh, wow, what a a fantastic human being he is. Like, it's weird. He's he's a big guy. You, You look at him and you think, wow, that could be, book him as a killer. But he's just got a presence about him where he can be the happy, smiling, 
bask in my glory. Uh, and and nice guy, but still be so credibly threatening. You, what a wrestler. That does spell a lot of worry for when he does go up to the main roster, though, because he'll be like, oh, he's the nicest guy. Make him smile. Have yeah. him you know, play with Lego like Finn is, and he will just have him smile and do nothing. I, it's a dancing gimmick. It's my early... Is my early <laughs> oh, one. maybe you're right. I, yeah. I see... I see... I just feel Vince's voice in the back of my head going, he's just like the Fungasaurus. Yeah. Yeah. Give me some dancing girls. Yeah. They'll get him over. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if anyone can make that work, it's probably Keith Lee. Well, yeah, I mean, he'd probably get into the gimmick, whereas um, Brodus did not. Brodus sort of saw the gimmick as a uh, slap in the face and just put no effort into it whatsoever. Quite rightly. Quite right. I, <laughs> but at least Fandango, like, the story with Fandango is that when he was given the dancing gimmick, he went out and got dancing lessons to try and make the gimmick work. Whereas Brodus got it, was like, no. Yeah, I, I see both sides. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to say, you know, you, you, you're finally getting called up to the main, or repackaged on the main roster. You're told for weeks that you're going to be this big killer destroyer. And then they go, oh, no, let's swerve the fans. And they turn you into a dancing dinosaur. <laughs> I, I sympathize with Brodus Clay being like, no, nah, I'm not, I don't care anymore. I've given up on this. I mean, you know, you heard the story, haven't you? That apparently his pitch for a gimmick was that he would be this unstoppable killing machine. Because I think that's always um, his. Like pitch whenever he goes into wrestling meetings, just like no, just make me unstoppable, make me like unbeaten and, and like an unbeatable. Even on glow, even on glow, uh, yeah, exactly. Even on glow, it's like no, I'm pinning Alison Brie. Like that's before the show is over. I want to have her pinned. Um, now his gimmick was the Hall of Pain. He wanted to be able to induct people into his Hall of Pain, and they said, no, we don't think that's going to work. And then they gave him the dancing uh, dinosaur gimmick, and then Mark Henry debuted with his uh, Hall of Pain gimmick and became World Heavyweight Champion. Hmm. Well, you know, but that's Brodus's story, you know. Like, who knows what happened? Sorry, were you? Uh, were you I bit- no, I had nothing to add. I was just thinking about Keith Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I was Aren't we not all? even joking. No, I was no. just thinking, oh, Keith Lee's Keith nice. Lee. You know what? That May so May show this year, and when we spoke to them, they were all off to Ireland the next day. That's right. It so was it's probably yeah. the next show. It was the next show he was at. Yeah, because uh, him and Riddle were across that uh, with Jeff Cobb. But anyway, I think that's enough for this intro. We've gone nearly thirteen minutes, Holly Davis. You'll be pleased to know. You're uh, still learning. And we're now going to introduce you to the magazine portion of the show. Well, today we're going to kick off talking about Paul Heyman and how he was reportedly backstage at this week's episode of Raw in Boston. And according to Fightful, he his name appeared as a writer on the production scripts. And specifically for two segments, the opening pull-apart brawl and preceding face-off between Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns and the Bobby Lashley interview segment from later on when it was just Bobby Lashley talking to the camera and we both said you know we're not really into this feud because of the players involved and how Roman Reigns has been booked but we were and and the pull-apart brawl has been overdone but it was entertaining television and it's interesting to see that one of the few things on Raw, this week's Raw, that was enjoyable, the other being the Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler stuff, was done by Paul Heyman. Yeah, it's interesting as well. Like, and as soon as like you said it was those segments, you're like, well, I mean, that makes sense that Paul Heyman did them then because it was a pull-apart brawl. And he bloody loves a pull-apart brawl because the, the word is that he's always involved in the writing of, Paul, of, uh, of Brock Lesnar segments. And they usually involve pull-apart brawls as well. I just mm. think that's a good way to kind of build up interest. I, I feel like I'm going to be a hypocrite now. Because on the Raw review on Tuesday, I was like, Ugh, WWE have gone back to the well again. It's another pull-apart brawl. They do it all the time. 
when they run out of ideas to just chuck a load of stuff in the pot before the hot go home angle. And yet ne- negative Nancy over here thought it was great. But now that I know Paul Heyman might have done it, I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. That's yeah, a good idea, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just shows how fickle I am well, and how much I love Paul Heyman. Such a wrestling fan. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that, is a, that is a flaw in my personality. <laughs> and I, I'm, I, I openly admit that. Yeah, but I, I mean, I've always really enjoyed Paul's writing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was a fan of ECW back in the day. I just think that Paul's got a very good mind for wrestling. And I, I, what I like about Paul Heyman is that he's his main goal really is to make wrestlers feel special and feel like a big deal. That's why he's been so heavily involved with all the Lesnar stuff last year is because he wants Lesnar, because he's not there all the time, to feel like this big special attraction and to cut these great promos for Lesnar to make him feel like you know this big deal. And when he was on SmackDown way back when, when Lesnar was first coming in, he was like, no, we need to make him... We need to turn him into the next big thing. That's the name we need to give him, the next big thing. I'm not his manager, I'm his agent. You know, and let's try and make it feel like he's a legit sports athlete and this and the other. And these are the ideas that Paul brings to the table, which is why Stephanie McMahon hates him, because his ideas aren't just Roman Reigns wins and... Dance off. Dance off. Let's have a wrestler be a wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. Or and, it will be, he could be a wacky character. And you can, you can see this going back to his ECW days. And, you know, there's an argument that this is also one of Heyman's flaws is that he does just focus on the strengths because, like, you watch a Paul Heyman influence match, it's just those big moves. And that's really... I personally really enjoy those kinds of matches, but I get that, you know, those can get kind of tiresome. But back in the ECW days, the reason a lot of those guys were so successful and over in ECW and weren't as successful elsewhere it's mostly because Paul Heyman booked them in a way that really emphasised and got over their strengths, but more importantly, hid their weaknesses. That's it. That was always his thing. Accentuate the strength. Like, yeah. I can't remember the exact wording was just like focus on the strength hide the weakness that's pretty much what he said he has has got exact wording for it on the ECW documentary but two guys in particular I would point to for that that went they left ECW after being big deals there and went to WCW and WWF and just completely bottomed out within you know within a couple of weeks of them being there Mike Awesome going over to WCW he was he was awesome in, in ECW he was portrayed as this like giant killing machine absolutely like unstoppable just incredible beast. just incredible and like I'm not not just, just incredible, incredible but he yes. Mike Awesome is and he was like booked with this really big deal he went to WCW they took one look and was like don't know what to do and then they turned him into the, the fat chick thriller and that 70s guy because he had a mullet and they were like oh cool okay we'll give him a gimmick because that's clearly what he needs to get over and the one the other one I would suggest is Taz I was going to say Taz, Taz yes like in Taz in ECW Taz was a suplex machine he was the FTW champion he was he was the guy and he went to WWF and the first thing they did was like oh he's under 6 foot don't know what to do like you can't book a guy against the, and make him look credible but like you can because Paul Heyman was doing these Paul Heyman put him against Bam Bam Bigelow and made him look credible Bam Bam Bigelow's about 8 foot tall big guy with huge tattoos and this big old muscly man and he was like no I'm going to book him against Taz and it worked mm. and they were incredible matches 911 911 exactly yeah. like, they knew what to do with Taz and I think that's what Heyman's very good at doing he knows how to book guys and make them seem like big deals whereas WWE almost has a weird idea that no everyone has to be an all rounder like you have to be able to wrestle like to 
their whatever their level is. You have to be able to cut promos and do this. But you know, really, some guys just can't cut promos. And as much lessons as you give them, as much time, they're just not going to be the rock. So why even expose that part of them? If you're not going to be the best at it, why present that so much? Exactly. Like, why put them in 20-minute in-ring segments? Uh, why not just present them as killers? And you can see this with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is a great promo when he can say what he wants. Just look at UFC 226. And he was just like effing and blinding at everyone in the ring. And that Brock's awesome in that. And I used to, I actually used to like Brock's promos from back in the day. But coming back through UFC and then in, in the sort of real combat sports world and then coming into WWE again, he can't speak anymore. Mm-hmm. He re- he's really not good with a scripted promo. Well, look when he first came back when yeah. he didn't have Heyman with him. And he was cutting those promos on John Cena. He was like, this isn't working at yeah, all. Yeah, really bad. But Paul Heyman is like, yep, yeah, let's just hide that part of you. I will say every word. And then all Brock Lesnar says occasionally is bitch. <laughs> Suplex bitch. Exactly. And does something like that. So, yes. So, how can Paul Heyman save WWE Raw? Now, we should preface this or preface this with this is just Heyman. It, like, it might not even be real. Like, one, one person, like, because Fightful reached out for comment. Paul Heyman said he'd rather not comment. And WWE said, it might be a mistake. Mm. <clears throat> so whatever. But this is just it's Paul Heyman. Yeah, because, like, other writers were involved in these segments. Ryan Ward's name was listed mm. as well. Uh, so he's not, like, he's not the head booker of Raw. But just, like, when you hear this sort of stuff, and Heyman always says in interviews, I wouldn't go back to being a booker again. I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing now. But when you see that he's doing that sort of stuff, you kind of get excited. I remember the days when he nearly went to TNA. I was just thinking the same thing. The clause in his contract was, I want complete control. Mm -hmm. I want to just be able to do whatever I want. And Dixie went, no. Because it was hiring and firing people. She didn't want to, she didn't want, from what I understand, being able to fire people that she liked. Yeah, he wanted to essentially get rid of the old guards. He wanted to get rid of all those guys that had made their name in WCW that weren't relevant in 2008. Apart from Sting. Apart from Sting. And get rid of them. And she was like, no. What a smart guy. I really like having them around. He wanted to to build new talent. Mm. Yeah. And look, all all those new new talent that were kind of kept under at TNA (laughs) are now main eventing WWE. Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Bobby Roode. The... So, yes, Paul Heyman, if he did get the head booking position in Raw, which is that, of course, there's, he would be able to book the talent with that mindset of exposing strengths and hiding weaknesses. So immediately you've got that. Building new talent, he's really good at. Like, I, d- I, d- I was looking through the Raw roster and seeing like if any Paul Heyman guys jumped out to me. Chad Gable. I mean, that just writes itself, really. Yeah. It? yeah. Like, that's his Taz. Yeah. You know. But like, uh, not so, because Chad can do comedy. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see Chad be like a super serious, like oh, suplexing machine. I didn't think of him like because he is a big suplexing machine as well. If there's one thing that Chad likes to do, is throw a suplex. And they're they're great looking. They're great looking suplexes. Knows um, how to pop the hips. Fakador joked that he could make Brock come to work. <laughs> That's would be a benefit having the champion on Raw. <laughs> oh, it'd be nice, really. Yeah, yeah. that'd be good. Uh, but the other thing, when me and you were talking, we were like. You know what? Maybe the cruiserweights could work on Raw. Work with Triple H. Paul Heyman was really good at putting together these cruiserweight dream matches in ECW. You know, he he was the guy who booked Guerrero and Malenko for the first time in North America, or maybe the United States. At least, at least an exposed level. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and you look at all the talent that the cruiserweights have, and I thought, hey, maybe he's the guy to do something with Neville. Yeah. Oh, do you want to bring yeah. Neville back? Be the guy to be like, look, we need to have a chat with him. Because at the moment, he is being paid to essentially sit at home. Sit at home when the G1 climax starts oh, this I weekend. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, but I, So I, I wrote down a few names from Raw, because what Heyman did back in the day was create a SmackDown 6, and he effectively built the main event scene around those six guys. Yeah. Who would yours be on Raw? Well, I was Who just, do you think Heyman would go for? I was going to say, I was just looking at your <clears> list, and that it's more or less the list that I would go with as well, because the one thing that Raw really struggles with at the moment, and we've talked about this before, it has three legitimate main eventers in Roman, Bobby, uh, uh, <laughs> Lashley, that is, not rude. I wouldn't even put Lashley on there. But in your three main eventers? Roman, Strowman, and Lesnar. Yeah, but Lesnar's not there, so... Well, then there's two. I wouldn't put Bobby in there. What, as a legit main eventer on Raw? Not at the moment. Mm, okay, well, I, I'd think that they would... They certainly think they've positioned him as a main eventer. So you got Lashley, Roman, and Strowman as your like top three guys. And then everyone else is just... It's mid-card fodder. Guys like essentially just stuck below a glass ceiling, looking up, wishing they could be in the mix. And one of those guys is Seth Rollins. Yeah, one of those guys is Finn Balor. The most over person in the company. Yeah, which isn't Finn Balor, it's Seth Rollins. Yeah. It's, um, so yeah, I, I would certainly say that there is a lot of talent that you could mine from that. Someone like a Bobby Roode. Give him mm. and give him something to do. Give him an actual emphasis of personality, where it's like you're not just a catchphrase. It it reminds a heel me heel Bobby Roode. A heel Bobby back to his NXT Bobby Roode. It actually reminds me a lot of um, uh, Rob Van Dam, the uh, shoot promo he cuts in ECW, where he was like in ECW. I was like I had a character. I cut promos. And I did this. I went to WWE and they were just like yeah, just say cool and whatever. And that was his character. It was like I was limited to a couple of words and I was just to be the cool guy. And he was less over there than he was in... And he was massively over in WWE, but he was he was a megastar. He was a hero. He was a hero in ECW. So he's the sort of guy that could take a ballot, a, 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 you know, a ballot, a Bobby Roode, and just, like, give these guys something, inject something into them, and make turn them into megastars. Mm. Yeah, because I always thought Raw has been shortchanged in this, in the most recent Superstar shakeup. SmackDown's got an incredible roster, incredible depth, and even their... Even their undercard is supremely stacked. Like, Cesaro and Sheamus are kind of in the undercard right now, which is insane. And I always thought Raw really doesn't have anyone, but then I was listing out this group of people. They do. It's just potential sitting on the shelf. That's it. You've got Dolph Ziggler, who, you know, is, is maybe a bit past it until he leaves and comes back again. But Seth Rollins. Roman Reigns, you know, he's he is a great wrestler. It's just the the presentation of him that's lacking. Go back to go back to what you was successful in 2014. Because there was a period in time, many people might forget this. There was a period in time where we all loved Roman Reigns, when he was a lot of people's favourite member of the Shield. Yeah. And there were times when we thought, oh god, I really want Roman to win the Rumble. Because he was awesome. And they built they protected him so well in the Shield and they booked him so well. Just go back to that. Like, go back to the drawing board and be like, what was, why did people like him in 2013? Oh, okay, let's this, this, and this. Mm. Let's just replicate that. And, you know, you could turn the crowd around. It might be past that point, but I think that over time you could, uh, you could rebuild those foundations. I think it is past the time. You need to turn him heel and then do that. Uh, but yeah, Drew McIntyre. But, the, like, Drew yeah. McIntyre's been booked very well at the moment, but, you know, he's someone who I would put in that raw six. Uh, Bobby Lashley, we've already said Bobby Roode, Braun Strowman. Chad Gable, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, and the Neville. Hmm. Like, it's... Yeah. I, 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 it's not going to happen. But it's nice to 
Nice to fantasy book, mate. Dick, dick, diggity, dick, diggity, dog. Break it. Dick, dick, diggity, dick, diggity, dog. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Elsewhere in this week's wrestling news, in WWE at least, uh, a women's show and a return. My very own Caitlin. Yeah, so I did the news today, uh, when we were recording this, uh, of Caitlin's return to WWE. And I suddenly realised how I broke Ollie Davis's heart by taking that news story off of him. Because, I mean, she is your fantasy gal. She is. She, she's quite something. Uh, but I... You described her as a, su- a comic book superhero come to life. Yeah, she has, she has the Woman. body and, yeah, she, she just, like, she stepped off a comic book page. She just, Drawn by Rob Liefeld. Yeah, she's incredible. Um, but the... Yeah, it's gone, all have gone a bit pervy now. <laughs> but the... Uh, it's fine when I talk about Seth Rollins' abs, but when I talk about this... Uh, but the... It's crazy to think that... Because uh, was it Kevin Eck who told this story, a former WWE writer, that Vince McMahon just couldn't buy into uh, a storyline that he proposed where Caitlyn was this love interest. I think it was Cody Rhodes and Caitlyn mm. and Damien Sandow and Rhodes would fall out over this. And Vince McMahon was like, I don't get it. Who who in their right mind would find Caitlyn attractive? Yeah, he's, he's And Kevin Eck was like, a large portion of people. 
Yeah, he's got a real thing. Like there are certain people that he just thinks are attractive, and, and then and if but if he doesn't think they're attractive, then no one would think that they're attractive. That's that's the Vince McMahon mindset, which is crazy because there's quite a famous platitude of beauty is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you would think a, a wrestling booker would be able to tap into different parts and try and do that, but no, that's what happens when you get one monotonous. Idea. Uh, but yes, Caitlin's Caitlin's returned. So she's returned for the May Young Classic 2, which starts taping in uh, the start of August, the 8th and 9th at Full Sail. They're going to do the whole tournament over the two days. Uh, Don't know when it's airing on the WWE Network, but she is the first name that's confirmed. The other name that's confirmed, at least by WWE's Australian Twitter account, uh, is Rhea Ripley, who was in the first May Young Classic. She made it through to the second round before being knocked out by Dakota Kai. So she, uh, there was an Australian news site that reported it and then WWE's Australian Twitter account reposted it confirming it and Rhea Ripley herself has been reposting it and saying like looking forward to this Mike Mm. going back to Caitlin because she's my favourite subject she 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 actually uh, came she returned to wrestling last October I think she was announced she was announced then she had her match in February what what she was training and then she right Uh, because a lot of people were like, oh, maybe she's training for the Women's Royal Rumble. So, and then like, like the Wrestling Observer said, yeah, Caitlin has been talked to about a return. So maybe they just, maybe she was going to come back, but then they're just like, no, and yeah. now it's happened. Yeah. I'd, I'd imagine so, yeah, because she's been like since leaving WWE in 2014, she essentially retired from wrestling. She'd launched a clothing line, she's started a, her own YouTube channel, and she's been doing all of this other stuff. She's been going back to doing fitness modeling again, which is what she was doing prior to being a wrestler. But um, I think she did an interview with Chris Van Vliet where she was just like, oh, I've just got, you know, I got the wrestling bug back again. So I started training in October to have this match in February. And it almost felt like all of that was just so she could head back into, maybe, you know, after those conversations, to head back towards WWE. For for May Young Classic too, it's a really good way for her to come back. Like it did work really well for Serena Deeb yeah. uh, in last year's. Like she had a really good story in that tournament, um, and you could do that again with Caitlyn. And I wonder if this is the sort of thing that she will get a massive push. Being that she's the first name confirmed for the tournament as well, whether she's going to get she'd be a, like a real featured part of the tournament. Yeah, and she like no disrespect to Serena Deeb, but Caitlyn was a huge part of the women's division at a time when. Well, it was the Divas division. When there was only two names in it. Yeah, and uh, she could have an entertaining match, but, like, nobody... When everyone else was just kind of uh, glamour models, really. Yeah, yeah, essentially. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if, like... I've never seen her wrestle against this new crop of actual talented female wrestlers. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, maybe she's no good, but I I hope she is. Well, yeah, essentially it was her and AJ Lee were just the only people that decided, like... Beth Phoenix. Yeah, oh yeah, and Beth Phoenix. So just sort of like, but her and AJ in particular essentially just were like, now I'm a bit sick of just doing nothing. Like, let's go and actually have an actual match. Yeah. And um, yeah, they they used to have some really good outings, uh, sort of in that 2000, 2014 period. So um, it's, it'd be nice to see what Caitlin can do now, as you said, because times have changed drastically. It's amazing to think that was only four years ago, but like, it, it might as well be 20 in compared to like what wrestling was then in the women's division compared to what it is now. Or it might as well be the 1920s in terms of women's rights. This is an awkward segue because I'm kind of going to say the greatest Royal Rumble, of course, where women didn't feature on the show. And apparently, as a rumoured make-do for this, Pro Wrestling Sheets are reporting, uh, WWE might have a women's specific show. Yeah, which isn't the May Young Classic. Is like uh, October, I think, was the, the date. Something there. like that. Yeah, So, but they're going to do like a women, maybe like a network special or something like that that will just be 
main roster women having a pay-per-view to unto themselves um and you could possibly feature you know nxt women on their women from the main young classic as well because there's lots of other names that are rumored for this this year's main young classic including miko satamora that you and i are big fans of Io shirai nixon newell who was nearly in last year's and then you've got the nxt uk talents as well we've got uh tony storm who was in last year's uh killer kelly and and isla dawn as well so there's lots of names that they've got that they can play around with to do a, a whole pay-per-view based around it that'll be interesting and maybe that'll be the culmination <coughs> of the tag team championships possibly good point you're not letting that go are you no it's me it's me and becky lynch that we're just but it's got to be one set of tag team titles across both brands i don't want them sitting spinning across because that would be we saw what happened on smackdown live when they had the entire SmackDown women's division around ringside, and it was eight people. Mm. I feel like uh, there were about three weeks where you, you were saying, we should do a video about the tag division. We should do a, vi- a video about the women's tag division. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then like, as soon as I go away on my quest to find Byron Saxton, boom. Our, our WWE doing a women's tag division. I did it, and no one watched. You were right. <laughs> that women's pay-per-view might tie into some other pay-per-view feng shui around uh, WWE's calendar that's metaphor kind of fell apart such a good oh man your segues like sometimes you reckon flawless i don't think that was any good <laughs> uh, but the, the there's a report that tlc has been well this is confirmed tlc has been moved to december uh and the october show where it was originally scheduled has kind of just turned into a super show where it's just stars from both brands not an actual big pay-per-view event leaving the only event in October as the Australian Super Show, the Down Under thing, what special Down Under, I can't remember what it's called. So that, like, maybe that means that's the pay-per-view for October. And WWE will start, or or yeah, or that, I guess, too, you get a women's one and a foreign one. Mm. So I I think we're getting into that stage now of the WWE Network where WWE are going to start running pay-per-views from different countries, not really caring about the time difference. Well, I think it's it really is moving forward in that direction because I think what WWE is sort of like realizing, I think what the wrestling world has almost come to realize is that the pay-per-view model isn't what drives business anymore. It used to be. You used to use TV to drive money towards the pay-per-view business. But now the money's in TV. Mm. Like they've just signed this massive deal with Fox that would have paid for every pay-per-view like you know going forward like they don't need to make any money off pay-per-views now so they actually they can experiment with these things on the network so they could do a women's only pay-per-view on in a sort of thing and it doesn't matter if no one watches it because they've made all the money from from tv rights anyway and they've got some good pr exactly it's good pr it's the nxt is a money losing brand but it doesn't matter because they've got all these money from TV rights. So you can do things like NXT UK, which isn't going to make them any money whatsoever. But like they can, you can do all these sorts of things. It's interesting how both the big shows, to start this off, of course, Greatest Royal Rumble in, in the beautiful, beautiful city of Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. Unmatched. And now the Australia one in Melbourne. Both Melbourne. Of Melbourne. No, it's Melbourne. Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne. The two, both of them have been paid for. Or at least partly paid for, of course. They got an enormous amount of money, reportedly, for the Greatest Royal Rumble. And this Australia one is done in conjunction with an events company. So they are minimising the risk and going to these other countries. So it doesn't... Yeah, like, 
they, they've got a really smart business model at the moment. It's I don't really know how smart. effective it's going to be long term because I think you need quality at the core of it all, and I wouldn't really call WWE a quality product. But it's got the name in man. many way, in any way. But the uh, it's got the name and it's got these stars. Like it's, it shows you what a company WWE is, or at least how they sort of perceive these events when the big matches that they announce do not feature any of the current stars. Like Greatest Royal Rumble, it was just like, if you come to the Greatest Royal Rumble in the beautiful city of Jeddah, you'll get to see Triple H versus John Cena. And then the Australian one is like, you'll get to see Triple H versus The Undertaker. Like, that's the match that they announced. Yeah. Like a match that took place at a pay-per-view in 2001. You know, at a WrestleMania. It didn't happen. Oh, sorry, that one didn't happen. You're right. But the other ones did. Like, that's their big that's their big draw. Like, it's because it's the name that you're drawn to. And then you pick out stars that people recognise from 20 years ago. And kind of in conjunction with all of this is the news from, uh, I can't remember the source now, that they... It's like go- Canadian... It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a Canadian, Canadian site. site like yeah. Barn Buncher or something. Barn Burner. Barn Burner. Uh, by 2020, WWE are reportedly going to run two WrestleManias. Not night to, like, back-to-back nights, but one in April... And one in October. So I imagine the April one will be domestic, United States, like it, like it's always been. But the October one, they've put down London, Australia, or Saudi Arabia. And I'm looking at those. London and Australia are two big, two huge markets for wrestling outside the United States. Saudi Arabia, they get paid loads of money. So... I could, and I could certainly see them doing that, using the WrestleMania branding to essentially have, uh, you know... So you're having two WrestleManias a year, six months apart from each other. And so it becomes like just this massive big event that you do towards the end of the year. And as you said, you can do that one around the world and just keep the, the April one as your domestic, as, as the actual WrestleMania. And then these ones are just like WrestleMania London, WrestleMania Melbourne, WrestleMania... Like Saturday the takeovers. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, take it, like the, the biggest takeover. I the greatest takeover. I so I I'm fully behind using the most important brand name to drive stuff. But for me, because that that's a really sound business strategy. But WWE is the one that I think they should be pushing here. I think by almost not franchising out or licensing out, but you you do diffuse WrestleMania by having two a year. Like that's part of its appeal. It's a big annual thing. So it's a shame that they can't just create a new one or like even like Survivor Series is now a touring round the world mm, thing yeah do, do something like that rather than have two Wrestlemanias a year and th- like they said that there's no definite naming procedure in place but it will be similar to Royal Rumble and Greatest Royal Rumble I don't want to see the, the greatest, greatest WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Or if I, in, if it's in London, I, I imagine it's going to be called the Royalist WrestleMania or something equally benign. Mm. Yeah, I, that I, I can certainly get behind, actually. I, I hadn't considered that sort of aspect of it. But um, either way, I just think that for the, being able to put on these big old shows, especially you know here in London, where we have been asking, like, oh, well, there's been a... a big petition for us to do a big Wrestlemania here at some point and they've always said no because they did SummerSlam 92 here but it didn't particularly get a good buy rate because of the time difference time difference doesn't matter anymore because you've got the network and also the network is all on demand so it doesn't actually matter if you watch it live because it's all on demand anyway plus if you do it like a Sunday evening that's just a Sunday afternoon show for those in the States it's kind of like when football goes out yeah. Lunchtime kickoff. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, should we get on with some crap gimmicks? 
If you're new to this show, Crap Gimmicks is our weekly feature where you, the SWAF Nation, submit your ideas for crap gimmicks that we then go through and decide whether we want to sign them to the crap gimmick wrestling roster. So if you do want to get in touch with me, it's Luke at WrestleTalk.com. If you have sent one and it's not been read out, it's just in the backlog. I'll get to them eventually. So first up, from Brian Farrell, he has suggested P.T. Isaac Edwards. Okay. P.T. Isaac Edwards. It's an acronym. Pi. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, you know where we are. P- P.T. is a southern redneck wrestler who loves pie. He walks to the ring with his favourite pie. He could be eating it, and then this could be a bad flavour if you want to turn him heel. And waddles to the ring in stereotypical farmer clothes. I love this description. Overalls, those large hats they wear, and the shirts with the red squares. You, you can't say they. <laughs> those people. Farmers. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean, you people? Yeah. Um, he is a big and hairy man with brown hair and an unshaved chin. I'm guessing that means he has a beard. His entrance music is a dinner bell followed by an upbeat mix of banjo music. His finisher is the pie to the face, where he winds up to the corner while waiting for a groggy opponent to get up to his feet. And when he does, he he hums to them and slaps them in the face as one would do with a pie. Uh, in no DQ matches, he can do it with an actual pie. He also uses the window siller, a sidewalk slam, but the victim going face first and landing hmm. on, so he's landing on his back, as well as the pie in the sky, which is a top rope body splash. His signature matches are a pie on a pole or a pie eating contest. He loves to offer the fans a piece of pie and just wants his fair share of chances in crap gimmick wrestling. He ends all of his promos by uttering the catchphrase, you're going to get a piece of the pie. I like this because... No crap gimmick promotion can be without food fights. Yes. And and this this does lend itself to that. Also, we've got the Intercontinental Breakfast Championship. Uh, we've got a lot of food-based gimmicks. People, I, I got, we got another chef-based gimmick sent in, mm. but we because we didn't use Chet the Chef, and that one wasn't as it wasn't as good as Chet the Chef. So I, I have already disqualified that one. Yeah, so that that works. And I really like the window siller. Yeah, I, I think that's. Like, because I thought about it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, the pie on the windowsill." Like that's Desperate funny. Dan. That, that yeah. was my first thought. Was Desperate Dan? So that's good. Um, my problem with it is that it's it's kind of like pre-existing WWF gimmicks. Well, yeah, it's the, um, it's the, the just the, pig the hillbilly farmers. thing, yeah, and the, the pig- yeah, the pig farmer stuff. So yeah, that's uh, although I, I I like it. I think it's I feel like it's already been done. Mm, yes, perhaps. Right. So this one is from uh, this is our last one for today. Chris Michaels, who has suggested the commentator. It's basically a wrestler who is a commentator wannabe. He wears a headset and he can he comments on his own matches. Everything he or his opponents does, he comments on it. For his matches, the real commentators are not allowed to talk. Even when he loses, he keeps talking while he's getting pinned or submitted. That's good. This is also good. Uh, I this is this is a, a usual comedy spot in matches as well. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega did it last year mm. in their OTT show, where they like Kenny Omega got a microphone and started commenting along, like doing announcing what he was doing. Uh, it's good, but I, I feel like the it's not that well written up. I just I would have preferred more more spots, more, more catchphrases. Yeah. But I think the, the central idea is very good. Yes, I also agree that the central idea is there, but it's it's not quite. Do you want do you want one more? Go I have, on, then. I have Go got on one then. more. This one is from 
they didn't actually leave a name, but they're, it's clever username and stuff, I think is what they're going by. Perry is a priest in his late 30s with a receding hairline and hints of grey. Perry wears black pants and a black button-up with the middle of the white collar, so like a priest. He walks to the ring offering the, offering the hoax, which is bread and wine if you're not Catholic, to those who want it. Before the bell ring, Perry kisses the cross around his neck, closes his eyes saying, Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Then chants things in Latin to himself quietly. He he opens his eyes with rage and hatred filling his body. He rips off his shirt to reveal an incredible body with an eight-pack <laughs> that is 5% body fat. Yes, he has tons of chest hair. And he's very aggressive, quick, and powerful. His finisher is the Master Lock, renamed as the Final Confession. Here he takes them to their knees and Lock keeps on the lock until they confess their sins. Even if the bell rings, he won't let them go until he hears a confession. Once they confess, he releases the hold and reverts back to the kind man before the bell he then looks to them with sadness and he goes on to he carries the helpless body and he says i forgive you my child and helps the beaten opponent backstage and cares for them afterwards his goal is to make wrestling holy and his twisted way of accomplishing this is to beat the crap out of everyone so bad that they have to confess the horrible wrongdoings they've made in the past in order to create a better future he has an ongoing conflict with himself on his methods are uh, if his methods are flawed or if sometimes he has to do a bad thing for the greater good i like this i really like this I almost like this too much. I think this is just a good gimmick. It's great, isn't I it? I think this could just be a, a good a good gimmick on a main roster show. It's not crap enough. It's not it's not a crap gimmick, it's just a really good idea. <laughs> I love but this idea the of The reveal sort of... is great. Yeah, totally. Is ah. it even better if like his hair could like look different as well? Like almost like anime style, like you pull it off and it becomes like a different character model. I don't think we can afford this guy. <laughs> Not on our crap gimmick budget. Not exactly. That's good. I, like that's a complex character as well. I always like those ones where they do struggle. Not when it's Abyss Reed in Sunsu, but <laughs> I, I like it when they're uh, like kind of like Kevin Owens when he's shouting at himself, like "You made me do this. Why am I doing this?" That sort of tortured component to him, and, and the, there's nothing more tortured than a Catholic priest <laughs> uh, in terms and, of just original sin and stuff. And their Catholic guilt and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, like, just look at Daredevil and... I like, was going to say, Daredevil's the original Catholic guilt I mean, he's not character. original. No, <laughs> comic book character. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was probably the original yeah. one, yeah. If you go back to the text, if you go back to the source material, probably Jesus. I mean, if you want to be all prequel about it... <laughs> If you want to be that great Daredevil prequel, the Bible about it, <laughs> sure. Uh, I, it's, I, I want him. I like, you know, maybe I'm sure if he, if we signed him, we could make him crap enough. Yeah, I mean, Perry the priest is someone that I'm, uh, I'm into. Also, we can do uh, two trading cards with him as well, like his pre and post. Yeah. Um, uh, before the bell and during the during the match. Should we sign him? Uh, sign him, Perry the priest. Well done. Well done. And if you want to submit a question to the mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our pledge hammers and pledge to us on Patreon at any level. And you can leave a comment in our community just titled Mailbag and let us know the questions that you want us to answer on the Saturday Wrestle Ramble. First up, from Marcel Durer. Uh, hey guys, who from the main roster do you think would make a perfect addition to Sanity? The exclamation hmm. mark is specifically for you, Ollie. One rule, he, unfortunately it says he, but he, did, he hasn't written the... the capitalization of sanity correctly though he has not he's also so uh, they must Sorry, be from another nationality and any of sanity's current members 
Um, oh, a different nationality to any oh, of... of course, because they're so, all yeah, German, so, Irish, Belfast. Yes, yeah, so you can't Belfast be Canadian. country. Yeah, you know, you're the great country of Belfast. So they can't be Canadian, German, or Irish. I think, or Scottish, if you're counting Nicky Storm in there as well. I think Killian Dane is a country, <laughs> isn't he? He's, he's actually classified as a, his own national uh, I'm cla- pretty country. sure as well. And all the hair is just the, the rolling meadows. Mm. Um, do you believe WWE is um, still interested in creating great debuts? I doubt that since I can't remember any good debut in a long time. Wasn't there a news story about Kevin Dunn sabotaging NXT call-ups purposefully because he wasn't, quote, Team Hunter? Maybe I wear a tinfoil hat, but I think that is still going on. Let me know what you think. So there's kind of a double question there. Like, who would you like to see added to Sanity? And um, is uh, is Kevin Dunn trying to purposely sabotage NXT call-ups? I think so there's a really good quote that i try and live by don't attribute to malice what you can also attribute to incompetence nice so i i think that kevin dunn and vince mcmahon and all the people who are in charge of like the old guard of wwe are just stuck in their ways they're out of touch they think what they're doing is the best way of doing it because that's how most people who can be considered evil or rubbish outside they genuinely think they're doing the right thing uh, so I think Kevin Dunn is just past it. And like he thinks all these flashy, shaky camera angles are genuinely adding to the chaoticness of the product when really it's bloody annoying and you don't need that much insanity in Sanity's entrance. <coughs> Feels overdone. You don't need to change Bobby Roode's font on his entrance video. That's the most upsetting one for you, isn't it? It was the first. It was the first that really got to me. So I don't think that. What about you? Uh, yeah, I'm agree. I'm, I could certainly see if I was to wear put on a tinfoil hat to say like, yeah, Kevin Dunn, because there's always been those stories that Kevin Dunn and Triple H just do not get on. Triple H really doesn't like Kevin Dunn and vice versa. And so I could almost see that Vin, uh, Dunn getting into Vince's ear and saying like, that NXT's proper rubbish, you know? That guy, he's not a star. We know stars. Me and you, we know stars. We built all these stars together. Caitlin's ugly, isn't she? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That sort of stuff. So I could possibly uh, see that, but I, I don't know if they're purposefully ruining NXT call-ups just as a way to kind of like get it to get at Triple H because I wouldn't see the point in doing that because otherwise they would bury them more overtly I, I yeah. think most people is WWE they're, they're trying to get them over in whatever warped reality they think works that's exactly it but uh, to the other question um, who from the main roster would you think would be a perfect addition to Sanity granted we're in a little bit of luck here because one of the nations that's not a part of Sanity is America and the majority of their uh, roster is American so we've actually got quite a lot to choose from but who are you going? Well, well, unfortunately, I was like, who who kind of fits that mold? Huh? Drew McIntyre is a big, burly Scottish. Scottish mate, you um, have that one. So I suppose you've got to try. I mean, do you have to pick someone who is already a little bit crazy? You'd, and the other thing with Sanity as well is they kind of got everything that they need mm. because you've got the big bruiser. So you don't want to put another big bruiser in there. It's almost like when they put Braun Strowman in uh, the Wyatt family. And you were like, oh, so you're also just a big bruiser like Luke Harper is and Eric Rowan is. You're, you're all three the same yeah. thing now. I think I've got one. you got one? Who I've got one. Go with? I think, so they're all, they're all crazy, right? Mm. I just think you need a different kind of crazy. All oh, right. I think Hideo Itami <sighs> as the silent Japanese guy, like that scene in The Simpsons where it's the guy in the white suit. He's like, I want to see what he's going to do. And like, he's just always at the back. Mm. But he's like he's the most dangerous one, really. Yeah, because he's completely mad. I like that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to agree with you on that okay. one as well. That, that that thank you very much for your your question, Ryan Sanderson. Uh, with SummerSlam coming yes, up, yes, Ryan, and with it being a Slam. big four, and will probably be five hours long. <laughs> Sorry, I'm stopped. I didn't listen. I stopped listening at Slam. <laughs> I was so happy about Slam. 
Can we go back? What's, yeah. what's with, the rest with, of the... With SummerSlam <laughs> coming up and with it being a big four, pay-per-view, big five, uh, and it will probably be five hours long, mm, probably be six, do you think that the Cruiserweight Championship will be defended on the show? And if so, uh, who should challenge Cedric for the title? Well, actually, I think it'll probably be on the kickoff show. It won't be on the main card. But I'd imagine that they probably will put a Cruiserweight title match on there to fill out the, the, the card. To fill out the... You don't need to fill out that card. It's going to be so bloated already. Well, you've got to get everyone on the card, mate. It's like WrestleMania now, isn't it? You've got to get everyone on there. Get them the SummerSlam payday. Um, so I don't know who I'd like to see challenged. I mean, Buddy Murphy would probably be my... I think he's the guy that they've got a lot of stock in on 205 Live. And I think that he and Cedric have already shown they can have a, a great match when given time, which they won't do on the SummerSlam kickoff show. Um, Hideo Itami I'm a big fan of. Um, Leo Rush, you know, I think, they're, I think they're trying to do something with him at the moment. Him and a bit rushed though for him to go to the title right away. Perhaps, well, Buddy Murphy went for the title. <clears throat> he, he was very well packaged though, mm. um, and he's he's a big guy. Yeah, he's, he's two oh six live, really. <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, but is there anyone that you would like to see uh, Cedric face? It's difficult because like we were talking about the disinterested scale on the Extreme Rules predictions yesterday. Mm. I put I put 205 Live in the Cruiserweight division at around an 8. Yeah, you're reining into the Cruiserweight yeah, stuff, are you? Yeah, and I get that they're doing great matches, but like they do better matches elsewhere, and I kind of have my fill of WWE every week. Yeah. So I would... I mean, Mustafa Ali, has he fought... Yeah, that was a WrestleMania. He got to the finals, but then they've done the Buddy Murphy thing. It's kind of Ali, Murphy, and Alexander. Maybe Mustafa Ali again. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one that Vince recognises. Well, he was at WrestleMania. Yeah, Just yeah. put him on the card again. Yeah. It's that that looks like the one from Mortal Kombat. Um, uh, we've got a couple more questions here, but I will do this one as our last question. Chris Merriman, I know that Ollie talks a lot about liking comedy wrestling. What are your thoughts on Joey Ryan? I think he's... Well, uh, for what he does, he's the best in the world at it. That kind of... sort of 70s porn star... But tongue-in-cheek, like not not like a porn star these days, but the old window cleaner v- yeah. uh, vibe. Confessions of a handyman. Yeah, like that's to, to use the, the British versions of it, but what would that be in America? Just like, yeah, just like the big mustachioed looks- pizza delivery man. Yeah. I'm here to fix the fridge. Yeah, and I think he, he does that very well. And you, like, there are loads of different types of wrestling fan, and one particular part of that wrestling fan audience is is kind of those who spends their time on Pornhub and does like and recognizes these sort of, you sorts went of in things. a different direction than I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say there is a portion of wrestling fans and some of them like comedy wrestling and Jerry Ryan's very yeah, good at that. Nah. You just went, nope, straight to pornography. No, because there's there's loads of comedy wrestlers, but Jerry Ryan is is quite an adult rated comedy wrestler, which is just a different like it's just one more bit down that branch of categories and yeah, he, like he does that. The penis plex is just crazy. It gives Jim Connor an aneurysm, and he hates it. And I totally get why Jim wouldn't. But if you if you're doing a a varied show like that, what, what a great palate cleanser that is to have after a hard hitting bout when you're there and you just like you're in and with an adult crowd and you're just laughing at spots like this and you're already about seven beers deep. It's brilliant. Uh, I actually was just to just on a YouTube hole, you know how you get into. And do you remember when Joey Ryan lost his DDT Iron... Is it Heavy Metal Iron Weight? Something like that. So, so the yeah, DDT yeah. title that changes hands to everyone. A, a ladder has, has been champion. He lost his title to the crowd. <laughs> I, I can't remember, remember how it happened, 
but he lost his title to the crowd and the crowd started chanting, we are awesome. <laughs> and that counted as them tapping out and Joey Ryan won it back. <laughs> very good. It's very good. There's one more story because I, I, I went, that led me down the DDT path. Yeah. And uh, there was, I've, I've never seen this one before, so it might, might just be someone making it up, but a table won this particular championship. Yes. Yeah. But then a plate on the table won the title because the plate was on the title. And then the rice on the plate won the title. And then the sauce on the rice won the title. And it just kept on going up. Yeah. So oh, they're all there on the Wikipedia page of Reigns. Okay. It's a long article. And people wonder why Jim Cornette thinks that <laughs> wrestling is going down the toilet or anything. But yeah, I mean, I think that's really funny. And I think that Joey Ryan is very funny as well. I know I wasn't addressed in the question, but it's fine. But... um. And I always I go I kind of subscribe to the Dave Meltzer theory on this, which is that if it gets over with the crowd, then there's no reason to stop it. Like Jim Cornette's always just like, oh, they should just stop doing it because it's stupid. But Dave's always like, yeah, but it gets over. So like, why would you stop doing it? Like, if it's something organically gets over, then do that because the crowd enjoy it. Don't stop. If you stop doing it, then the crowd aren't going to have as much fun. And what's the point? We should also pay our respects to Joey Ryan. It's very sad that he's passed on. Hmm? This is a being the elite. It's a being the elite. Oh right, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm really behind on my being the elite episodes. I'm genuinely like Joe's about like dead. oh about, I'm like five. Oh yeah, because they did the Chris Jericho where he was there with the paying respects. Yeah, I'm quite far behind on my episodes, but I kind of yeah. like keep up to date with this. So episodes. yeah, posthumously, he he was a ve- he was a very good comedy wrestler. We t- everything yes. we've just said, put it in the past. Yes, yeah, pretty sad. much. Very yeah. sad. But so we've got time for. Do you want to try that again? <clears throat> my voice broke a little bit. <laughs> I heard. Wow, where did that come from? Got an email here from Jess Kroll, uh, who's emailed in to say, Hello Luke, doesn't address you. I've been enjoying the stories of people encountering wrestlers out in the real world, and I thought I'd contribute with a little one of my own. Sorry, what's this called? A Russo pay. There we go. Um, this was all sent before the Rusev Hay became a thing, though. So a lot of people just call them wrestling encounters. Um, well, actually, it's my dad, but I'll share it on his behalf. That's now two episodes. It's not as good as the it's whole gonna, Yeah, like, that's the best. That's the winner. But I think this has got a really interesting insight into the world of wrestlers. Should we just, I'll just quickly say, the winner for everyone who didn't listen to Wednesday's episode was someone's dad playing pool with Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin in 2002, not knowing who Stone Cold Steve Austin was. <laughs> Called him like Wild Bill Austin yeah. or something. Wow. <laughs> oh, and Austin bought everyone drinks afterwards. Yeah. Because he got destroyed. <laughs> and he was all pissed off. Yeah. Uh, to save some money and starve off boredom following his retirement, my dad worked for the TSA for about five years in Denver International Airport. My dad's an extremely social guy and will make conversations with anyone and knows that going through airport security sucks, so he'd make an effort to chat with people waiting and generally be as friendly as possible while making sure there were no weapons going on board. Well, one night a few years ago, it was uh, seven or eight faces he recognises from WWE coming to the scanners. Most of them seemed pretty tired from the show, but he mentioned Dolph Ziggler, Jack Swagger, Cesaro, and talking to Sheamus, who at the time was the US champion. Sheamus asked if he had to remove the belt from his bag to run it through the scanner, and he was very happy when my dad said it was fine and he'd take care of it. This apparently made Sheamus really happy, as he always has to take the belt out, explaining what it is, and then packing it back into his bag. I'd never Never personally considered how much of a nuisance it must be to have to carry one of those belts through security checks 200 times a year. They're heavy as well. Yeah, they're right? legit. 
that yeah, they're totally straight up shoot belts. And imagine you've got to be like, go through security, take it out. Oh, what's this? Oh, it's the United States champion. I'm a wrestler. It's this, and they're traveling. They're getting planes all the time. I'd never thought about yeah. that. But yeah, that must be an absolute pain in the ass. Imagine poor old Punky was champion for like five years. Um, anyway, my dad also made a point of talking to Summer Rae, who he described as quote much prettier in person. He said she was also very nice. He even commented to her that she's not as much of a B word as she is on TV. To which she laughed. I hope not. All in all, she said it was. Uh, he said it was a pretty cool thing to see, and I could totally picture my seventy-year-old dad trying to hit on Summer Rae. Anyway, that's the story. A bit longer than expected. I've also been joining Poetry Corner. Might even inspire me to write my first poem since quitting competitive performance poetry. Keep up the good and consistent work Jess Kroll is that a shoot thing (laughs) competitive performance poetry apparently so Jess was like you know in the nationals maybe gonna go to regionals (laughs) it's it's like sometimes people say those things as jokes though like you know they make up something but if an American says it they have so many weird national competitions I'm like it's probably a thing Mm. I don't think many other countries have spelling competitions to no, a we national don't have, level. There's a, a documentary about spelling bees and like the, um, the, the the passion that the parents put into their children, or the pressure that parents pile onto them in order to make that like make sure that they win. Which I'd I'd find fascinating to watch. What an outdated thing this is in an age of autocorrect and spell checker. <laughs> yeah, I can do the job of a dictionary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, got an email here from Anonymous. He says, hi, Luke and Ollie. I don't know if you read my email out because I missed a few episodes. I was just emailing to tell you a bit of a story. I've recently been going through a breakup and it's hit me hard, almost as hard as Ollie is for Seth Rollins. But when I listen to your podcast, all my thoughts wash away and you make life easier. You guys are the best. And thank you. Support WrestleTalk. I love you. Bye. And that's from Anonymous, the, the, the vacant title holder. Well, yeah, I mean, I, well, they haven't got a title to defend at the moment. Sure, so, yeah, yeah. Um, got a bit of time off. Um, oh, well, well, hope for whoever you are, hope, hope it's all okay. It does pass these things. Uh, it seems like it, they won't, but... Um, so that the rule is, the amount of time you were, you were in that relationship, halve that, that's how long it will take you to get over them. Mm, yeah. So, okay. like, if you're going out with someone for seven years... And you've got three and a half more years to go. Three and a half years. Yeah, it's easy. And then you just just sign up for first dates. Uh, You've got a nice story to tell when you go on there. And you'll be on your way. I considered uh, first dates. In fact, actually, um, when I was working at a company, they were going to sign me up for it. This is just before I got together with the the woman who's now my wife. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and then he went on that. Uh, Anyway, we've got one email here. You're going to love this one. This is from Bradley Hobday. Hey, Luke. First of all, thank you for both being amazing. Although he doesn't really say, uh, hey, Ollie. First of all, thank you for both being amazing, funny, insightful, consistent. Yes. Um, keep up the great work. I just wanted to say that I was happy to meet Ollie at Strong Style Evolved on Saturday. Hey. I've had some stuff going this on. This was at... two weeks ago. Yeah. I've had some stuff going on at school, such as I was screwed out of being head boy at my school after putting so much time and effort <laughs> and a few <laughs> other things have been going on. He was screwed. He was While I'll have Exactly. The head teacher's going to do a video where he's like, Bradley, screwed Bradley. Yeah, ring the bell, ring the bell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, I pulled my microphone completely out of the socket there. Um, I'm going through, I just cannot hear it into my headphones. Bear with me. Um, Technical difficulties, folks. Sorry, I can hear myself again now. So I've lost about 20 seconds of my time. Where am I? 
Um, Strong style evolved show last Saturday. So on Saturday, to meet Ollie with such a, was such a great experience, and it really cheered me up. I was the kid who was shaking so much that I couldn't actually talk. And he shared a couple of emojis in there. One of them's got like the crying with laughter yes. emoji, and another one is laughing when he's got a drop of sweat uh, coming down. You know, nervous. They all look the same to me. Those crying emojis. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like. It's because you're old, man. It's because you're thirty you now. Think, I just, I just see them all. And I think they're all crying. Yeah, <laughs> and just quite morose. You just look at all of them now, and you just see uh, colon and an open bracket. Yeah, I, it's much easier those days. <laughs> like, and I still, I haven't found an emoji that expresses worried in the same way that a colon and an S does. Yeah. Oh, that is the wiggly face. Wiggly so face. I, yeah. I still go back to the emoticon <laughs> of that. God, you might not believe this, Pod Swafters, but we once had a whole podcast where we talked about the differences between emoticons and emojis. Yeah, I didn't which, know they were different. Fairness, <laughs> I think I didn't know that much either. I didn't really know what an emoji was until about a year ago. Um, we're all learning. We're all learning. Um, Back the, to Bradley. The only thing missing was we didn't see you, meaning me. Uh, will you be going to any wrestling event in the near future where I might be able to meet you and thank you in person? Yes, we are. We're going to be at Wrestling Media Con on September 8th, 8th and 9th, um, which you can come down. It's in Manchester at the Bowlers Green Arena. We're going to have a great old time. Rev Pro and Impact are going to be there. Um, loads of other wrestling YouTubers are going to be there. It's going to be a wonderful old time. Yeah, yeah. We've got some some big stuff planned. Yeah, should absolutely. be super, super good. I also had a question for Ollie and uh, and you if you watch the event, which I haven't. Uh, do you think that Kazuchika Okada was made weak? He didn't even hit a Rainmaker. Once again, thank you so much. I have brought a frame for Ollie's signature on Cena's nipple on WrestleTalk Magazine number <laughs> one. Crying with face laughter emoji and then the monkey covering up his eyes emoji. Yeah, I, d- I, d- I always sign the mitts you, you do, on, that's, on those. It's your area of choice. I had to do a lot of signing on holiday because we're in a, a hotel I think, to, uh, I thought it was no. about to turn into a humble brag or no, 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 no. <laughs> to, to, to sign checks for things yeah. when, when like room service does we didn't get any room service but if we ordered a drink by the bar yeah. we had to sign and it was all added onto the tab when I was searching for Byron Saxton of course <laughs> and I, it's now my so I changed my signature when we first started doing the signings it's like a, an O with a smiley face and then Davis mm-hmm. because I didn't want my actual signature to be out there so much but now the new signature has just replaced my old <laughs> signature because i like it so much so yeah and, and my girlfriend was like why are you doing that <laughs> why are you drawing smiley faces on everything i was like because it's fine. you're a 30 year old girl <laughs> uh but yes yeah so that was it was interesting how akada was portrayed just come off this was like to my knowledge the first thing he'd done since the best wrestling match of all time according to dave Meltzer, and he didn't come out with his robe. That was my first thing. And this was the main event of the show in a tag match. All the Suzuki Ishii stuff in that match was awesome. Mm. But yeah, so, so just... it, was, it was him and Ishii against was, uh, Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr., right? Yeah, yeah, for the Rev Pro tag belts. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, Carter didn't hit a Rainmaker, didn't come out with the big robe. Uh, I didn't expect money to come from the ceiling with his face on, but, you know, that would have been nice. Uh, but yeah, the whole show was really cool, and apparently the Manchester shows were even better the next night. But yeah, Manchester had a really good lineup. Yeah, man, yeah, that was I, really- I yeah, I, I thought Akada. I don't know if he's just tired, mm. but I got the impression that like he was happy that he didn't have to carry the shows anymore. Mm. Like that, I, that's like his first big outing since having these forty minutes to seventy minute main event matches, which have to be the best match ever every month. Yeah, so That's interesting, maybe yeah. you're just like, I'm gonna take this off. <laughs> yeah, 
That's what I've it had, felt like. I've had a long old flight. Yeah. I'm just going to take this first night easy. Um, right. Last thing we got before we head on out of here. It's a poetry corner submission from Owen Morgan. Hi, Luke. It doesn't address you. After being inspired by the completely solidly adequate poetry on the podcast, I had wanted to give it a go myself. I'm an aspiring horror author and sometimes poet, but my work usually involves far fewer sweaty, oily men slapping Riley against each other. Enjoy. So this is a poem called The Contest. It is here, in an arena of ropes, where a a contest of strength, a battle of size, will be fought. Two mighty heroes, one a statuesque giant, from Grenoble, the Alps, the other leather-skinned icon, a Herculean hulk. The bells sounded off, and the two did collide, trading crushing blows and grappling holds to the roar of the crowd. The smaller of the two found his strength outmatched. He was lifted up high and slammed to the mat many times over. His his godly blonde locks grew stringy and wet, and that bald spot betwixt them glistening with sweat. He fought back to his feet, his power depleted, but he drew more from the crowd like a bronze bloody like a bronze-bodied vampire. He pumped his fist and awoke his pythons and caught a hold of the giant by his massive black singlet. The world watched in awe as he lifted the beast over his head like a mythical god raising a titanic log. The world came to a halt and time stood still, witnessing history, this incredible, unbelievable victory of will. When the giant came down, slammed to the ground, the arena shook with the impact. The battle was won. And since that infamous day, the Hulk's tale was told, forever remembered by those who who need heroes, both young and old. I hope both you and Ollie really enjoyed that. Thanks from Owen Morgan, who you can follow on Twitter, O-N underscore Morgan. I've really never seen Melina versus Alicia Fox in that way, but when you describe it like that, it yeah, it, what, what a match that was! It really is. That was is Cameron's uh, favorite match of all time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I now I get where she's coming from. Absolutely. What? <laughs> uh, that was very good. I really like the the rhyming, the sort of what what's what the the word would be. I mean, you're the one who's taking creative writing classes, mate. You tell well, me. It, it's a rhyming structure that isn't normal. Like the, the rhymes just appear out of nowhere. Yeah. Is that and, what your teacher told you? This is not normal. Yeah, this one not normal. This <laughs> unconventional rhyming structure, there we go, and the 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 sort of the pacing of it was, mm. was very nice. But, but that was good. Yeah, well, that was that very good. Well, I very much very enjoyed well. that. Thank you very much. If you've got uh, any poetry uh corner submissions that you want to get, uh, get in, I'd suggest send them because we're gonna be back on Monday for an extreme rules. Uh, review show. I hope you enjoyed our prediction show yesterday. So we're going to be back on Monday with more Wrestle Ramble. And hey, man, I think we need some more poetry corners because we're out of them again. So if you get them in, they're definitely going to be read out on the next show, unless I get 20, in which case then, you know, create a backlog. But until then, we will see you. Have a lovely weekend. I love you. Goodbye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.